Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. I'm excited to preach. I haven't preached in like two weeks, three weeks. Anyone else excited for me to preach tonight? A couple of people. Good, good. Well, hey, um, I'm excited that we're doing church at night too. We, uh, we get the occasional opportunity to do church at night. The guys, I think, had a... Uh, uh, gun show today in the armory. I'm not going to talk too much about that. Um, but, you know, the, the jokes have already been, everyone's done the jokes uh, about the gun show uh, today as we, were, uh, as we were moving in. But the lock and load team did an amazing job, set, every, set us all up. Our teams are in place and I'm ready to preach. So you ready to receive the word tonight? Awesome. Have you ever been in a situation where you just really needed to go to the bathroom? I think that every single person here has been in that situation, if you're honest with yourself. I know I've been in that situation. In fact, there's one time that I remember vividly. I was in New York, of all places, leaving New York, which is the best way to do New York is to leave New York. (laughs) Hallelujah. Sorry to the New Yorkers, but I live there. So I know. Thank you, Jesus, for St. Augustine. Thank you, Jesus, for Northeast Florida. But I was leaving New York this one time. It's on my way out of the city. And I jumped into a cab. I was kind of running late. And I jumped into a taxi. And I hadn't gone to the bathroom like all day. And um, I don't know if you know New York City and the traffic situation up there, but it's bad. It's really bad. And so I get into the cab. And, you know, the cab, the, the distance from the city to the airport is like five miles. But for some reason in New York City, to go five miles will take you an hour and a half. And so I'm in the cab and I'm just like, man, I'm just burning up. I'm just burning up. I need to go. And I'm just like, you know, I'm looking at my maps. I'm trying to calculate my battery percentage because I want to keep looking at my maps. I want to know my flight status and if I'm going to make it there on time, if I'm going to do everything right. And I'm like so needing to go to the bathroom. And so eventually we get pretty close and about a mile out from the airport, I'm fighting with the, the, the cabbie and I'm like trying to do the, the, the credit card, you know, a mile away so I can just be ahead of the game just to get out of the cab as soon as possible. And he's saying, no, 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 you have to wait until we pull up and then you can do it because you won't pay the full amount. I'm like, I'll pay you double. I'll pay you triple. I'll pay whatever it takes. I'll do anything. So I finally get there and we pull up curbside at LaGuardia and I just get all my stuff. I've got bags flying everywhere and I'm just like trying to get everything. I'm throwing things over me and I'm running into the terminal to find a bathroom. Finding a bathroom. And I see one in the distance and it's just like, it's like manna from heaven is on the ground over there. It's like this cloud is hanging over there and it's just like this oasis. And I just start motoring towards it, motoring towards it. And it was just like, and you know when you get to that, that, that state of mind when it's like, you know you're so close where it's just like your mind goes there and you're like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. In a few moments, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and I get up to the doorway, so close, about 20 feet away, and I see it. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. And I see the yellow tape just over the entrance like, like, and it wasn't just like one thing that I could duck under and go to. It was like, like this, like they zigzagged and they put every, like it was just, there was no way you could get in there. And those words on that tape that I'll never forget, it said, out of order. And I'm thinking, God, 
you've abandoned me. <laughs> you've left me, Lord. Father, I thought, we were, I thought you were my heavenly Father. And eventually it was okay. It was okay. I found another. The, the story ends okay. I was fine. Maybe some permanent damage. I'm not sure. But I just want to bring that story because, you know, when it comes to our lives, I want to start a series tonight called Out of Order. And the reason I want to start that series is because God has impressed upon me recently that sometimes where we find ourselves in life is it's not just that things are wrong or something's out of place or that maybe the person is the wrong person in a situation or what it may be. Maybe all the ingredients are okay, but they're just out of order. Now, when it comes to my life, maybe the right people are uh, there in my life, but, or maybe the situation is in the right place and I'm, I'm doing everything I should be, but there's just something that's out of order. And I want to start a series tonight called Out of Order, because I think sometimes our lives are just out of order. Something in our life, the reason that it's not working, the reason that it's out of place, the reason that it seems out of whack or things aren't computing or coming up right, it's because it's out of order. You know, I spoke recently about a need to chill. Is anyone there for that message? Need to chill. It's inside God's top 10. For some reason, we accept the, the nine commandments, but the, ten, the, the fourth commandment, she shall keep the Sabbath holy. For some reason, we sort of skim over that and we don't worry about it. But it's a principle that God gives us that we can implement in our lives. Scheduled rest. And I want to talk about another principle today. Because God has established this for us. And sometimes there just needs to be a reordering or a reprioritizing in our lives. So it's no longer out of order, but it's in the order that God wants it to be. This is a foundational message tonight that I believe will frame up our church will frame up what we see as the, what the Christian life is all about. And maybe you've been living this a long time. Maybe tonight will just be a refresher for you. That's great. But there's some people in here that you need to hear this because this is a foundational principle for your walk with God. The title of the message tonight is First Things First. So the series is Out of Order. That's the name of the series. But the, the title of the message tonight is First Things First. See, often in life, the reason things aren't working out, it's not because the parts in the story are wrong, it's because they're out of order. And we need to put the right thing in the right place, in the right order, and then everything will work out. I'd love it if you could write this down. When God is first in my life, everything else will work out. When God is first in my life, the order of everything else will work itself out because God's first. Because I've taken the time to establish in my own life that God is first. You know, the first time in Scripture that talks about a tithe or 10%, which is what a tithe is, is in Genesis 14. But the first time we hear about the principle is actually in Exodus. If you've got your Bibles, open with me to Exodus chapter 13 going to have to open your Bibles tonight because we're not going to put it on the screen for you. But that's okay because we're a Bible-bringing church, aren't we, church? In Exodus 13, God speaks through Moses and He establishes this principle. 
Exodus 13 verse 1 says this. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, is mine. Is mine. Everybody say, is mine. Is mine. Another translation, it says, Whether person or animal, it's mine. And I just want to communicate tonight as clearly as I can, you study this language and you look at it. This is emphatic language. Like it's like God is saying, no, 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 this is mine. It belongs to me. This is mine. It is my property. I take the first place here when it comes to my people. It is mine. I own it. It belongs to me. Whatever is first is mine. God's saying to his people, I am in first place. First things first, me. And then if you go a little bit further along, verse 12, same chapter, it says, You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Verse 13, here comes the detail. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. A little extreme. You shall break its neck. Other translation says not shall. It says you must. You must. It is mine. And if you want to redeem it, you must redeem it with the first. Otherwise, break its neck. So here's the principle tonight. God is first. He is the priority. He has to be in first place. Everything else comes after that. And here's the condensed seminary version for us all tonight. He speaks about a lamb, speaks about a donkey, and this is what it means. It means the clean has to be sacrificed to me, therefore to redeem the unclean. What God is saying is he's saying, if you want me to redeem, you have to sacrifice to me the best. The first. Not just a part, but the first. The principle of the first. First things first. And hopefully you're getting ahead of me when I'm talking about this. Because wasn't Jesus born clean? Wasn't Jesus born perfect? And weren't we, naturally speaking, spiritually speaking, sorry, naturally speaking, we were born unclean, weren't we? In fact, I could ask the parents, the experts in this room, do you have to teach your kids to be naughty? Or did they pick that up naturally? Did they just start to be like that? See, the clean redeems the unclean. It's a principle for our lives. And I believe it applies to our lives. God designed us for this reason. It, it, it relates to our increase. It relates to our income, to what God has given us. You know that in every area of our life, but especially the closest thing to us, which is usually our money, it absolutely still applies. It's a principle for your life. See, Scripture talks about where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Also, When it comes to your treasure, our money, our increase, what we have, our well-being, this principle applies. We have to give the best to God and He will redeem the rest. See, he says something kind of interesting here. He says, every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, another translation says, if you decide not to redeem it, 
you shall break its neck. What is that saying? If you don't redeem that, you're going to lose it anyway. You're going to lose it anyway. And I remember when I first read this scripture, I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to lose it? Or there's risk? Or there's, or all of a sudden it's not secure anymore? That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying if you don't redeem it, you've got to break its neck. You may not have it. But God is saying if you bring it to me, this principle of the first, if you give me the best, I'll keep it. I'll secure it. I'll ensure it. I'll make sure it lasts. In fact, I won't make sure it lasts. I'm going to make sure it goes all the way. I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. I'm going to make sure you have over and above what you need. Isn't that incredible? This is the God we serve. So my first point for us tonight is this. First things first. Point number one, God is first, period. When it comes to the order of our lives, that usually means for you and for me, God expects to take first place. Maybe you didn't know that tonight. But there's an expectation from God. He says, whatever is first that opens the womb is mine. It's mine. The language is so direct. It's so blunt. It says, whatever is first for my elected people, for my chosen possession. See, Israel didn't choose God. God chose Israel. And so he's saying to his people, for his people, For my people, whatever is first is mine. The first to my elected, it's mine. First to that which I have chosen to be mine, it's mine. God first, period. He must be the first. It's so clear to me that this applies to our daily lives today. See, they're not talking about livestock. We're not talking about grain. We're not talking about that now. But all of us, we have increase. We have income. And I want to break it down practically for us tonight. Is that okay if I do that? I want to break it down practically for us tonight. See, what we normally do when it comes to the first is we don't understand that it's actually the first part that has the redeeming feature in it. We don't understand sometimes unless we study it, unless someone gets on a platform at a church and actually begins to teach it and talk about it, that we understand the power is in the first 10%. The power is in the redemptive portion because that takes faith to bring It takes faith to bring to the house of God. It takes faith to put God first. And it's that part that redeems the rest. But so often in life, this is what we do. We get our increase. We get our stuff. Comes in. And maybe you're old school and maybe you do the jars on the counter with all your finances and and all that sort of stuff. I don't necessarily do that, but I do sit down and I go through it all and I I set aside. And what we normally do is we do this. We say, yeah, I'm going to write a check over here. I'm going to write the first check to the credit card company or the, or the mortgage company because that's, you know, that's the biggest bill. And then I'm going to go to the, to the, to the, uh, the car payments and then I'm going to do the, the, the credit cards. And then I'm obviously going to spend money at Publix because Publix is where shopping is a pleasure. <laughs> Amen. It's a pleasure when I'm there. It's not a pleasure when I'm doing my bills. I'm like, man, we're spending too much money there. But what we do is we go to each area. We do this allocation in our lives. We allocate. And then we get to the end. And we're like, man, what happened? I mean, this is what I got left. This is what I'll take to church. This is what I'll give to God. But it's the first part of the increase that has the power in it. And so what we've done is unfortunately the first check we wrote, it went to the mortgage company. And I don't know about you, 
but I don't want the mortgage company to have the redemptive portion of what my increase is because the mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless my finances. There's no power in that. But God has the power. God has the power to bless my finances. God has the power to bless my life, to ensure me, to make sure I'm covered, to make sure I have everything that I need. First things first. You know, I learned a long time ago that, you know, if you get increased and maybe you get $1,000, this is worth saying tonight, church, you get $1,000 and you stack it up in $100 bills, 10% of that is $100. (laughs) Some people are like, "Mm, let me get my calculator. $100. What's the tithe? The tithe is not 10%. It's the first 100 to leave your hand. It's the first hundred that leaves your account. It's the first portion that leaves your life. That is the redemptive portion. I've done it in my life. It's ended up somewhere else. And I don't want it to end up somewhere else. I want it to end up in the house of God because that's where God will bless it. It says, bring the tithe into my house. We always bring it into the house of God. And the other thing you notice about language when it comes to this principle, it never says take or it never says give. It says bring, because we bring what's already God's back to Him. We bring it to Him. I love that. And you'll hear us in church, we never take up an offering. We don't take up an offering from anyone. We receive an offering in church. We receive because people bring to church, and we receive it in the house of the Lord. Is this helping anyone tonight? Don't get quiet on me, 6.30 p.m. We bring it to God. In Exodus 23, verse 19, just a little bit further along, says the first of the first fruits of your land. It's almost like God is saying, I just want you to definitely get, I'm saying the first. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first, the best, the best portion. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I read that in Proverbs and I love it because in Proverbs chapter 3, the, the title of that chapter is Guidance for the Young. Guidance for the Young. And the writer of the, that particular proverb is trying to instill a principle in young people to say, hey, this is how you should live your life. Honor God with the first. It's a principle but it was also written hundreds and hundreds of years after the law. If I consciously put God in the right order, everything else will work out. I got this revelation as a young guy, young Christian. I got the teaching. I was in church and someone explained it to me. People were talking about it. I was like, man, why do you do that? Why why are you so serious about that part of your life? Why is it important to you? And I learned the principle and I understood it and and I read Malachi chapter 3 where it says, test me in this and see that I will not do over and above. And so I implemented it in my life, but I was young and I, was, I think I was just lifeguarding at that point. I was like 19, still at college and I was lifeguarding and I had all kinds of crazy jobs. I didn't really earn that much money, but I was adamant it had to be the first. It had to be the first that went into the house of God. And it bothered me because I got paid on a Tuesday. I got paid every second Tuesday. And so what I would do is I'd take my tithing envelope from church. 
I shared this message at another church about three or four years ago in Brooklyn, C3 Brooklyn. And the pastor up there, Josh Kelsey, who's a dear friend of mine, says they still talk about it because, because of what I said. But I said this on a Tuesday morning, I would take my little tithing envelope in my pajamas down to the cash machine and I would get that cash out, the first 10%, because I was adamant it had to be the first. It had to be the first that comes out of my increase and back to God. And I've had seasons, church, in life where I've tithed, I've put God first. And even as a couple, I'll be honest with you, there's been seasons where we haven't put God first. And I know the difference for myself. I know the difference. I've seen what God has done. And I just want to be clear tonight. This is not about our church getting more money. It's got nothing to do with that. But I couldn't stand up here as a pastor and not preach this principle and teach about it because there's so much joy that comes when we put God first in our life. It's amazing. And I believe when you do, you just never go back because you just know that God is first. You know that God can't come second. It's actually true. He can't come second. There's a few things about God's character that we need to understand. I've talked about it before, the immutability of God. He can't change. wonder if you knew that, but God can't change. And this is a, the theological term is the immutability of God. And all that means is this, God can't change. Because if God could change, what does that mean? That means that God could potentially get better. God can't get better because God's perfect. So there's that part of God's character. The other thing I love is that God can't think the way we think. God doesn't think the way we think. And you're thinking, well, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, well, he doesn't think the way we think. God, it's never happened to God like this where he sat there and he's like, man, that just dropped into my mind. Wow, I just thought of that. See, God is omniscient. Omniscient, all, or omni means all. Science means knowledge. He's all-knowing. He's all-knowing and he knows everything. His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. So he, he can't think the way we think. But he cannot take second place. It's called the preeminence of God. He's first. He can't come second. The second point for us tonight is this. My message, first things first. Point number two is this. When he is first, I never come second. When God is first in my life, I never come second. Listen to it again in Proverbs 3, verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the what? First fruits of your increase. Verse 10, so your barns will be what? Filled. And your vats will be what? Overflowing. Overflowing. So there's a sense of joy and fulfillment that God is filling us. And it says we're filled with plenty, but He doesn't stop there. It says He overflows. The very next line. He says, our vats will overflow with new wine. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like second place to me. That doesn't sound like I'm in second place. And it's not legalistic either. Just want to throw that out there. This isn't a legalistic principle. That we have to be rigid about it. You know, if I come home and it's the day that I'm supposed to, to bring the first or separate the first, and all of a sudden I find that Jill's being out that morning and I come into the house late and she's gone and spent some money at that demonic place, Marshall's. <laughs> it's not as though we need to be legalistic about this principle because I know this, he who weighs the heart perceives the heart. He knows my heart. 
He knows when it comes to my Sabbath, if I run out of time and for whatever reason, something crazy happens with my business and I don't take my schedule rest that I'm going to be punished by God. No. He who weighs the heart perceives it. He knows our hearts better than we know ourselves. It's not legalistic. But when I put him first, I never come second. And I love that. When we're placing God first, listen to me, friend, we're actually elevating ourselves. When we put God first in our lives, what we do and we don't even know it is we're elevating ourselves. We become co-laborers with Him. We become part of His plan. He all of a sudden can trust us with the little, starts to give us more in our lives. All of a sudden we pass through that filter of faithfulness with God. We find ourselves being elevated. It's incredible. We find it in Colossians chapter 1. It talks about the preeminence of Christ. Verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God. Listen to it. The firstborn of all creation. The firstborn. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, or in other words, everything. Everything there is in the natural realm, in the spiritual realm. All things were created through Him and for Him. That sounds to me like He's first. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, listen to it, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. When I put God first in my life, I never come second. I never find myself in second place. There have been seasons in my life where it has hurt a little to put God first. It has hurt a little in my finances to write that check, knowing that I've got to have faith for what comes after it. That's why it's the first. That's why it has to be the first, because there's faith required for me to see God do miracles. There's faith required for me to see Him do and complete what He needs to complete. And the third point for, me, for us tonight is this. Each and every day I can reorder my life. Each and every day I can reposition God in first place. I want to encourage you, friend, maybe you struggle with this issue. Maybe this is something you've never even thought about. Can I encourage you every day you open your eyes, every time you draw your first breath in the morning, you can reposition God at the top. You can reorder God at the top. You don't have to live with condemnation or shame or guilt or feeling like, man, I haven't done enough. You can put God in first place in your life, in Jesus' name. You know, in my finances, where is God positioned? Am I bringing to God what's already His and having the rest redeemed? In my relationships, where is God positioned in the order of things in my relationships? Is He first? Is He being honoured? Maybe you're in here tonight and you're young and you're dating someone. I wonder if you're honouring God in that relationship. It's not too late. It's not too late to put God in the middle. Jill and I, we did a wedding yesterday for an awesome couple in our church. And the very first point I gave them when I spoke to them as they were making their wedding vows was this, put Jesus in the middle of your marriage. Don't let that go. Don't let that be reprioritized down to number five. Keep it at number one and your marriage will be on a secure foundation. In my family, where is God in my family order? Where is God in my family order? Can I reposition some things to put God in the middle at number one in my marriage, in my family? 
I pray our church would be absolutely littered with married couples that put God first. Come on, somebody. I'm praying that we have the type of church where it is just everywhere. We have marriages where people put God first. We have relationships where people put God first. People run businesses where they put, put God first. We live in a world today where they're trying to run God out of the schools. They're trying to run God out of, out of the town centers. They're trying to run God out of the airports and everything, changing prayer rooms to say something else. Can I encourage you, friend? Put God first. Yeah, let's give God some praise. In the workplace, is he first? First things first. Walk into your job tomorrow. Man, God's number one in my life. God's number one in my life. But there's a hope today. And I'd love to make this point to you today. Why don't you commit to at least take a small step in this direction? Take a small step. Maybe there's some men in this room who need to take the lead in this area when it comes to your family's increase, your family's income. Maybe you need to be the one when you sit at that table once a month, when you sit at that place once a month, like I do, and I do everything that comes when it comes to our I need to take the lead. Maybe there's some men who need to do that. But what it all comes down to is this, is God is such a good, good father. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to be the one that protects your life. He wants to be the one that blesses your life. He wants to be the one that proves to you that He can do what it takes to make your life come together, to make your month work month to month, to make everything come together. He wants to show it to you because He's a loving Father. This week, I went to a, uh, a parade for my daughter. And it seems like in the schools here in America, it's like there's a parade every week. I mean, I'm like, every week is just something we can go to. And, you know, I'm just blessed because I get to go. And I love it. I love being there. And I was there and I was watching her and they were doing the parade and, you know, the kids were all dressed up and everything's kind of lined up and looking good. And, you know, she's there and, and her and Jill had spent all this time sort of getting her little costume ready for the parade. And I was up there and I was standing there and it was like, God just spoke to me about His love right there in that moment. And I'm there and I'm just like, God just said to me, He's like, what kind of father do you think I am? What kind of father do you think I am? Am I the kind of father who's all, all interested coming to something like this in the routine and the obligation and the, and the society aspect and rubbing shoulders with the other parents and seeing, oh, what do you do and what do you do and not even paying attention to the kids? Am I caught up in the routine and the obligation? And God spoke to me and He just said, it's like what you're doing right now. And I was standing there and any glimpse I could get of my daughter, if she'd look my way, I'm like... Just like any, even if she just looks in my direction, I'm waving like a crazy person. I just want her to see me and I'm just like, I'm so pumped that you're wearing this butterfly cape. I just love it. I'm just, I'm loving every moment. And God spoke to me. He's like, that's the father I am. I'm the one who I just put aside all the obligation. I'll put aside all the, all the legalism. I'll put it all aside. I'm the one waving like a crazy person because I want you to know that I love you. First things first. He's a heavenly father who loves you and he cares for you. But you know, this principle, first things first, there's a reason behind it. 
In verse 14, it says something amazing in Exodus 13, verse 14. It actually says this. It says, you're going to have a conversation one day. You're going to have a conversation one day. It's not up on the screen. I need to actually go back to my Bible and I need to read it. It says, and when in the time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. By a strong hand. What is God saying here? He's like, this is a principle for your life, but you're going to pass this on to your kids. This is a principle for your life, but the people around you are going to notice. And I pray one day I have that conversation. I pray one day my son Jack walks in, walks into my office and sees me doing the the paperwork, sees the check that's set to the side and asks me, Dad, why do you do that? Why do you give so much to the church? Why is it set over here? Why is it set apart? I want him to ask me that because this scripture will come alive. Because I can look at him, I can sit him on my lap and I can say to him, Hey, son, I need to tell you something about your dad. I need to tell you something that you don't know. I didn't always be a Christian. I didn't always follow God. But by a strong hand, God saved me. And so I gladly give (laughs) to God. Team, you can come back up. Save me. It's okay to cry in church occasionally. And in the time to come, your son will come and he will say to you, what does this mean? I can just picture it in the biblical example. Son coming to his dad. Maybe he's come back to run the family business and he sits his dad down and he says this. He's like, dad, I don't understand. I don't understand why you keep doing this, dad. And the dad looks at the son and says, what are you talking about? Explain, what do you mean, son? And he says this, he says, well, you just keep on breaking the neck of these animals. Why do you do that? Why do you do that, dad? It's not good for business. It's not good for our ranch. It's not good for our farm. It's not good for what we're trying to achieve here, dad. You keep breaking the neck of these animals. You keep sacrificing them. Why do you do that? And then he gets to tell him. He gets his moment, the dad in that moment. He gets his moment. He gets his opportunity to say, God, by a mighty hand, brought us out of slavery into this land and He's given us everything we have. So I gladly give to God what is God's. I gladly put Him first. I gladly set apart the best portion and let Him redeem the rest in Jesus' name. How cool is that? What an amazing God we serve. You receive that word tonight. Awesome. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to finish. We're going to sing one more time. But I wonder if you could just ask the Holy Spirit right now, what have you been speaking to me through this message? Just ask Him right now. What part of this is relevant for me? What can I take home with this? this principle. First things first. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the power of your word tonight. Father, we just thank you for this principle, Lord. First 
things first. You. Above all else, God, we give it all to You. Father, we just know that You love us, You care for us, and You redeem us. And Father, ultimately, You sent Jesus to be that perfect, unblemished sacrifice so that we could have life and life to the full. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.